Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom. Boom. There you go. How are you? Hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> Good. It's been a while been a long time in the making some would say the longest it's it almost seems like it's been like covid times it's been at least four or five years i would say yeah i've been trying to put this together since i was like 20 finally got it all together i appreciate you todd appreciate you coming on here um yeah how are you good man how you doing good have you been traveling a lot still like are you still moving across the country i know it's weird times no because uh everything's shut down again so how big of a hit is that for you with being a comedian traveling all the time? Well, the travel, it's interesting because like, obviously pre pandemic, I was traveling literally every weekend. I would be somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, that obviously got kiboshed. And so I still, fortunately, at least some parts are open now. So I still have my weekends full, which is nice, but it's all very like local, close you know alberta a little bit of bc that type of stuff yeah, it's been pretty up and down with that stuff eh? like every province is different on what you can and cannot do that wouldn't be an easy thing to start traveling across the country yeah and you know what? that's what's the weirdest part about this part of the whole situation is like i felt you know the last year everyone was on the same page everywhere with you know restrictions that type of thing so it yeah, wasn't yeah. a surprise but now we're in this weird spot where everywhere is completely different with restrictions it's like in the u.s is wide open yeah. alberta is like pretty close to that and then but like yeah new brunswick they're back on full lockdown so this is the weirdest time to me because i'm like i don't even know you travel one province and it's completely different right so yeah and none of it's consistent like even going from ontario to quebec it's it's such a difference yeah, that's what I mean. And before, you know, every, you know, it was shitty when everything was shut down, but at least it was like everyone was on the same page. And now it's a complete different. It's just, yeah. Everything so for, is- those, for those of you who don't know who Todd Ness is, he's a nationally, uh, um, um, well, a nationally, he's a nationally. I'm a national person. He's a national person. He's a national traveling comedian stand up uh he's he's won competitions before i started doing a little bit of read up on you i didn't want to read too much because i i wanted to hear it from you instead of reading all the media and finding out stuff for myself Uh, how long have you been doing stand up oh my god so i started when i was it's always crazy when i think back because it seems not as long as it has been but i started right when i was 18 so that's like 12 12 and a half years when when did you think when you started? Because like I'm just going to do my first uh, um, open mic this month. When you first started doing stand up, when did you think like, okay, I'm getting good at this, or did you always think you were really good at it? No, well, you. I always I thought I always thought I could do it because you have to think you're funny to even try it. Otherwise, you're insane. Sure. Um, I would say my first two sets that I ever did, which was just at uh, some open mics, went really good. And then I made the mistake of thinking that I had it all figured out. And as soon as the thing with stand-up comedy is like, as soon as you think you have it figured out, that's when you are going to bomb. It's just the the comedy (laughs) gods, they put you in check. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, my first, I think two or three sets went really well surprisingly well to me and I was like oh this is I, I I can do it this is good and then I went into my like third set too confident I didn't prepare enough and I bombed and immediately I just realized like oh this is something that you have to stay on top of the if reason you why do well yeah and the reason why I ask that is I follow a lot of comedians and I follow a lot of podcasts like a lot of like the stand-up comedians in the states podcast I started listening to yours as well but the thing I always found that was so consistent is that a lot of them got to like 10 years of doing stand-up before they went like boom like before they like really started to see that growth and popularity started to be able to travel more started to be able to open for bigger names 
I don't know how the uh, Canadian comedy scene is. Uh, I've only ever, I only really watched U.S. comedians. It just seems like that's the majority of them, other than like yeah. Russell Peters and, and and big names like that. But do you think that there's a there cannot be a rhyme or reason to when stuff takes off? But I guess I don't know how I'm how I'm supposed to say this, but. Um, Already, I think I know what you're asking. And the answer is it's yes. There's a certain amount of hours that you have to put in to it before like, you know, we know for sure no one would ever blow up as a stand-up comic, you know, like a month in, it just wouldn't make sense. And if you did, it would be unfortunate for you because you wouldn't have the tools and all the experience built up that type of thing. Does it take 10 years? Maybe it might be shorter than that, but it's more about how much, how many reps have you been able to put in? How much time have you had on stage? Because that's really where you build the foundation of being able to do it. And you're right. It's it's one of those things where it just, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of reps to really, I would never say master because I don't think anyone ever really masters it, but to really get proficient enough that people would be willing to come out and, you know, pay money to see you specifically. Is there anything that you can remember back to like, like I've written notes and notes and notes and notes and notes of shit that I think is funny shit that yeah. I think that other people would laugh at. And I think to myself, like how many years, like, like you won a competition. It was like a hundred or so com- comedians in 2014. Correct. You won the whole thing. Yeah. Now. Oh my gosh. Why do I keep blanking? I'm losing my mind today. You're losing it, man. You got Alzheimer's. You have early onset Alzheimer's. That's tough, dude. 26 Alzheimer's. I'm not going to remember my name in a couple of weeks. Listen, man, you've had a good run. <sighs> you're almost there. You had 26 years. You're good. 26 years. Yeah, I don't know a <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> um, going back to going to that competition. How did that start? Uh, 2014, you're what? Like seven years into this? Six years into this? Yeah, that would have been... Uh, I would have been five years in. And yeah, I mean, it was just another one of those things where it was an amateur competition. So you only, I think we only had to do five minutes. Maybe the finals were 10 minutes, but again, at that point I had done enough sets and enough time that uh, I was prepared enough and was lucky enough to win, which was awesome. And that's a big confidence boost too. Cause that's a know, lot of comedians. those things. It's like, I mean, you know how you're doing based on audience reactions, but you know, when you get, when you win something or you get a big credit, it's, uh, it just, you know, provides you that positive feedback that you're at least making progress, which is good. How outrageous does it feel to bomb in my head? I think to myself, I'm like, I, I, I try and say like some of the shit I want to say on stage daily. Like while I'm driving, I drive for work. I'm constantly yeah. like repeating it, trying to memorize it. I think to myself, I'm like, if I started bombing, I'd be like, oh, okay. So no one here thinks I'm fucking funny. All right. I understand it. And I understand, like I'm going in my head. I'm like, I would just start saying fucking nonsense. And I, and I, did you ever have that happen the first time you bomb? You're just like, don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, I remember the, and that's the same set I alluded to earlier, which was like three or four in, but I do remember the bomb and it was so unexpected because my other sets had gone so well that I didn't know what to say. I had no idea. So I kind of, you know, what happens is you get into your own head and that's the worst place to be. Like when you're doing comedy and things are going well, you're just literally in the moment and you're telling the joke and that's all you think about. When you start bombing, you're now in your head thinking other thoughts while you're telling the jokes and it completely takes you out of it. Takes the time anyway. It's such a and it's such a weird experience. Um, and all you want to do is get through your time, and then as soon as you're done, all you want to do is just leave, just get out of there, and see as you wear, wherever your jacket is. Sometimes you just leave your jacket. You're like, I'm not. I don't even care. I'm never I'm coming back to this club ever again. I'm just gonna leave. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to bump into anyone. You just want to get out. It's very bizarre get home start telling your family that crowd sucked they didn't they didn't they didn't know what comedy was oh no you don't tell anyone about anything you don't even mention it and you did try you, to scrub it from your mind did you invite anyone that you actually knew to your first open mic no absolutely not and this is one of the the most interesting things to me is i never invited anyone i knew 
I didn't even tell people I was doing comedy. Like I didn't tell my parents, anyone. I just, for whatever reason, even though I knew I wanted to do it, I didn't want anyone else's feedback, I guess, or opinion. Cause I already said, I want to do this. So I didn't even invite their opinion. So I didn't tell anyone. I sort of snuck okay. around at night going to open mics. My parents thought I was doing drugs cause I was gone every night. <laughs> Honestly, they thought I was doing drugs. And then um, I finally, you know, probably 10 shows in that type of thing. I finally invited like my mom and my dad to come see me. So wow. I will say this, it is, so when I see to this day, there are so many people who will invite for their first ever stand-up comedy set, like all of their friends, oh, no, they invite their family, they invite people from high school. And I'm like, hey man, good for you. That is the bravest yet most insane thing I could ever think to do. Because <laughs> even though, keep in mind, even though like I was doing pretty good with my sets in the beginning, I was like, I'm not risking having people coming and seeing me. I could not imagine having people that I know and care about their opinions coming and seeing me early on. Like that blows my mind that people do that. Maybe people are like, uh, I don't know, like, cause I feel the same way. I told, like, I had friends and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't ever not tell people I'm gonna do it. I feel like it kind of now holds me accountable to do it, cause I'll like right. bail and bail and bail and bail. So I've told a bunch of friends about it, and they're like, oh, like, let me know when it is. I'm gonna come watch. I'm like, you're definitely not. Like, you're not gonna invite it at all. And like, why? I'm like, I'm not gonna go up there the first time and be nervous of impressing you guys. These are a bunch of random people I may never see again in my life. I don't give a fuck if they don't think I'm funny. Well, yeah. Until I'm in the moment and I bomb hard and then I'm like, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, I've always had that feeling too. Like, I don't want anyone I know there. Not my fiance, not my parents, not no friends. I've had another friend that wants to do stand-up that I was like, you know what? If we get close enough to it, let's like maybe do an open mic together. Maybe that'll take away yeah. some nerves, both being there. But I can't believe that 12 years in, you remember your third show and remember bombing. Yeah, because you always, well, you always remember your first one. Of course. You'll always remember your first one. But yeah. I mean, like I said, the thing, when you're doing your first sets, especially, like you already are going to have to try and focus on just keeping it together and trying to do that. And it, it's a whole nother added pressure to have people, you know, there. So I'm like, just don't yeah. even have that element. Just at least, yeah, like you said, these are strangers. So at least if it goes shitty, you, you, you don't know any of these people. You don't have to answer to them the next day, at least. Yeah, that's fair enough. Did you have something that like, like I only recently started talking to someone who's done stand-up comedy and they told me about like, just make sure you practice your timing. Like when you're going to go to a five minute open mic, make sure you don't have two minutes worth of material that you think is going to last five minutes. Like it's not like that. Like have 10 minutes worth of material. Do you still do that to this day? Making sure you have enough time or you do the same set kind of like a comedian does to get ready for an hour. Well, you know, over, over time, you get a pretty good intuition when you're on stage just to how much time you've done. And okay. so now I'm, you know, the majority of my sets I'm headlining. So I'm doing 45 minutes to an hour type thing. So I never in that sense practice, you know, a set and be like, oh, it has to be exactly 45 minutes or making sure. And that just comes from experience. Just okay. knowing, you know, if I do this one, this one, this one, this one, and this in this order, I think it'll take me to here. And then keep in mind, if I check my phone and I'm like, I'm short a couple minutes, I have other jokes that I can pull out, that type of thing. Okay. So when you're headlining, it's sort of a different beast and you have a intuition as to how much time you're doing. For starting out and doing like a five minute set. Yeah, I mean, I, I remembered before, like before I did my first ones, literally rehearsing my jokes and timing them, you know, at home. And it's, it's tough to do because you can't really gauge, you know, how long is laughter going to take up that type of thing. You also can't gauge that you're probably going to say things way faster when it's in front of an audience. Cause you're going to be a little panicky. Yeah. So, but I, again, there's so many things you have to, that you're going to be thinking about, especially when you do your first, you know, couple sets, that type of thing. I'm like, I wouldn't be so worried about timing as long as you're pretty confident that it's going to be around you know five minutes which is a typical open mic or typical starting set length right 
I think that's something that I never really took into account when I started like wanting to do comedy. I always thought to myself and you hear people say this all the time. Like I make all my friends and family laugh. I've always made people that are new to a group of friends laugh. I always thought there was something I really like to do. And I always get like an extreme joy from making people laugh. Like, I don't know who doesn't, but just always been like an addiction of mine almost. And it wasn't until I realized like I could tell a joke and like something that I thought was hilarious and the way I worded it and the way I came about it made people laugh. I'd have buddies that like, would hear that joke and then we'd go hang out with another group of friends. They forgot I was the one that told it and then they fucking tell it to the next group and no one laughs. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how does that joke not work with two different sets of people? But that's where you start talking about that timing. Like I didn't realize how much timing truly like your, your, um, your uh, approach to the joke. I may, <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but the, the way you say the joke, the way you like fully execute the joke, means so much more than the actual content of the joke oh yeah i see what you're saying i thought when you said timing i thought you meant like the time of your set no you're right for the if you're talking about delivery it's yeah, delivery, delivery everything with how you tell a joke right like and i think a good example is um i'm sure you know who mitch hedberg right definitely heard the name a bunch of times yeah. so if you look at his jokes on paper they are they're not funny at all like he has a joke that's you know if care if what is his joke? He's like, if rabbits, if carrots were made to drugs at all. But when you hear the way that he tells it, it's hilarious. So he's a really good example of, yeah, it's cadence, delivery is everything. But I don't know how you, to be honest, like, I don't know how you would practice timing because I think it's almost like an innate skill. That, you know, if you're funny, you sort of, if you're funny, you inherently know how to say something um, or like how to tell a story to make it interesting. And so I'm sure that you already know how to do that. Like the fact that you're going to go do stand up, I'm sure you're funny. So you already inherently know how to do that. So then I would say, don't like get too tied up with practicing your timing because you're just going to trip yourself up. I would actually say, just trust your instincts for being funny, like you just said yeah. that your friends picked up on and then, you know, it'll, it eventually it will come out the way it should. If you have that ability anyway. Now that you say it like that, like, I don't even know if you could actually sit there and practice timing. Like you're sitting there like one Mississippi, two you Mississippi, three Mississippi. Like, no, it's just, no, no, no. That's, no. It would make that's overthinking so it. Like that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be like, honestly, you know what that is? It's like, that would be like reading a textbook about hockey and then being like, okay, now I'm going to be good at playing hockey. Like it's a completely different well put. thing. Like, to, yeah. And timing is more, I think just a term for delivery and you probably already naturally know how to do that. So yeah, just trust that you will know how to do it. It might not come out right the first couple of times on stage. Cause, and that's just because of nerves and the environment type of thing. Yeah uh timing i don't know how you would even do that to be honest i think that's probably the most nervous part of it is just like it's just like i know i could write down a joke i like it's so hard to to sound confident that you're going to be funny on stage when you live in front of funny in front of your friends it's just kind of like down to that do it in front of a bunch of people see if people find you funny did you have like did you do anything like preemptively while doing comedy to try and get yourself better like improv classes or anything like that to help with on stage uh, no, I didn't, but I have heard from, um, a couple other comics that they had, they did improv and that helped them with stage presence, that type of thing. So I think anything that is performance, if you're interested, will help with standup, like even, so improv really helps. And we actually did here in town, we had a, a comedy, an amateur comedy competition last year, and you could tell the comedians had acting experience in okay. like plays or whatever it helped their stand up just from a from a stage presence you could tell the people who had a performance background versus those who had no performance background so something yeah if you're like i'm interested in improv as well or i want to find another way that's going to help me on stage anything that's performative helps uh, plays improv all that type of thing even music honestly because people who are used to being on stage it comes across a little bit like a little, with more confidence in a way, yeah, but yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I never did any of that stuff. I just showed up and just stand up. <laughs> just naturally born. It was the only thing I wanted to do. Like I wasn't interested in doing improv or anything like that. So that's the only reason why, but I, I, it does help. So how did you create an NFT? I just did it, ma'am. I don't know. My buddy's involved in tech. He hooked me up. He said, make your end. So I made some, I don't even know what I made. I made some character. He has a briefcase. I don't even know what he's worth. I'm assuming it's probably two to four million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Just in a, in a low no, But market. we'll see. I haven't told him yet. I'm holding on because I think he'll, he can only go up in value. NFTs can only go up. But I would say if I had to guess, I probably, yeah, just based on that NFT, my net worth is probably a hundred mil, I would say. Nice. Yeah. Well, if I look with it. Go to the if bank with it. Go to the bank with it. Say, hey, I'm looking for a mortgage. Don't worry. I got this. That's a good point. Yeah, I should see if I can put it in like a tax-free savings account or something like that. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. It just sounds like you're selling a fucking picture, but it's a picture that cannot be sold. Like you, only one person can own it, right? I'll tell you what. Some of it makes sense to me. Some of the NFT stuff makes sense because I'm like, okay, it's a, you know, hockey cards are collectibles, right? So yeah, you yeah. go the hockey card, but it's virtual. That I can wrap my head around. Okay. But then also my buddy who knows a lot about this stuff shows me a four pixel monkey. And he's like, that's worth $3 trillion. And I go, that's where I don't get it. <laughs> that's where I don't understand. It does. I, what are you who, doing it? Who, who's buying these, man? Like who the fuck? That's but that's what I mean. Someone's buying it, but then what do you do with it? Like at least you know you buy anything else cool, it's there. That's true. Who gives a shit? Like walking around your phone. Look what I own. The is there even like NFT girls where you show them like your cool ape? Maybe when you tell them it's worth a trillion dollars, that might fucking help. I if I was a girl, I'd be like, that's a red flag. This guy is a fucking psychopath. Idiot. Like, this guy spent a million dollars on a fucking picture on his phone. It's hilarious. But that's just, yeah, that's just one of those things, like, I think there's a small population who understands NFTs and gets it. And then it's just turned into, like, everything else, crypto. It's like there's, like, 10 people who understand what's going on. And then everyone else just says it. Everyone <laughs> else just says, crypto, bro. You got to have cryptocurrency. Yeah, and what the like, hell? What is it? You're not invested like, in the crypto? Blockchain. Yeah. And they're like, it's blockchain. And you're like, what's blockchain? And like, no, fucking no, dude, but it's pretty it's cool. Blockchain. Gotta have big bandwidth, dude. You don't got no fucking crypto? Man, did you ever see that guy who um I actually just saw that yesterday? He had a thumb drive that had his uh crypto wallet on it, and he had bitcoins <laughs> in it. And he oh, threw it out. Yeah. And it would today it would be worth 350 million dollars. I think I did hear this. Isn't that fucking crazy? And he still hasn't been able to find it. It's sitting in the dump somewhere. So he's trying to get the city to like, let him search the dump. And you're just like, oh dude. Cause every day he's sitting there just going like, if I hadn't thrown that out, I would be on a yacht right now. Shooting a, fucking a flame thumb drive. Yeah. Cause that's, and that's the problem is like, there's no backup. It's just, that's your wallet. Good luck finding a fucking thumb drive in the dump. Oh, he won't find it. He won't. 350 million. Holy shit. Start paying people to start cleaning it out. Someone find that thing. <laughs> Have fun getting it back. Dude, it's just like, well, that's a good point, too. Yeah, you're right. If someone finds it. Yeah. Bye bye. You imagine anyway. you find a random thumbnail that you're, oh, man, I got to put my files on something. This thing will work. Plug it in. Fucking computer starts like smoking. Yep. Game's the game, dude. Oh, I don't understand half the shit going on in the world. But anyway, uh, back to comedy. Do you have a favorite comedian? Like, do you have someone that you looked up to growing up or someone that you follow now that like just like, I don't know, makes you laugh? Yeah, that's a really good question. Really well put. The uh, who makes you who makes you laugh, dude? Um, Bill <laughs> hey, Burr has always me, been. Man. I listen to myself. I say, yeah, Bill Burr has been my favorite comic probably since 2015. Awesome. I think. And I saw him when he came to Calgary. I saw him. I was able to go like front row because it was rush seating. And we got tickets to him right on the, uh, like right as he was heating up enough to sell tickets, but not so crazy that people they would show expensive. up early for the show. So it was right at the perfect time. 
So we showed up 15 minutes early and there was like four people in front of us and we were able to go like right up first row and see him. So anyway, yeah, I think Bill Burr is definitely Bill Burr. And then um, Chappelle too. And the, it's just, when you say Chappelle, to. it's like almost saying like, who's your favorite hockey player, Wayne Gretzky? Like, cause it's, it's such an obvious pick, but if there's one guy who I, anytime he drops a special, I will guarantee watch it. It's Chappelle. Um, and then Louis too. Louis CK is coming Louis back. I just watched and his special. I just bought it on his website. Dude, it's like, yeah, he's one of the greatest. So those are those are the three. Those are the three guys where when they drop specials, I'm 100%. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like, I, I, will, I will pay whatever. I'm going to watch it immediately. See, I always watch Bill Burr. Like, I follow my my three main would probably be Tom Segura would be my first. Um, I really like uh, Bruce Kreischer but I like him more in podcasts than I do his stand-up. Uh, and then I really enjoy Theo Vaughn. I liked, uh, I liked this past weekend and his podcast and all that stuff. You opened for him. That's right. How the fuck was that? Like, I'm talking to a comedian who, like, travels Canada. I'm like, how about these other fucking guys you worked with? Yeah, hurts. It stings. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, he was really nice, man. And it's great to, like, open for a guy like that. Um Super nice guy. And then his stand-up live was just phenomenal to see. And, uh, yeah, he was awesome. How does that even happen? Like, is it he's coming to Calgary, wants an opener, goes through, finds someone? Like, how does that even – how do you get into that position? So he um, came to Calgary and played the club. And so some of these guys will bring an opener with them. And then some of them will just come play the club and then, you know, the club will pick an opener. So I know the owners and I know the manager there. And so I contacted them and I was like, steal Vaughn coming. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, can I open for him? And they're like, okay, let's see. Cause they have to ask, you know, his agent or whatever. So I just kind of reached out and asked and then, yeah, we get matched up. And to, to me, that's one of the coolest things with comedy is you, it's a, in a weird way, it's such a small world. Cause there's not that many people who do it that, you know, I get to open for, you know, these guys, Theo Vaughn, Brian, um, Brian Callen, when he came to town, Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope, I saw that one. So yeah. you get to rub shoulders with these guys who are, you know, like Stanhope was a hero of mine. And I got oh, to yeah. open for him and you're just like, this is ridiculous. Like, how am I even get to be on the show with this person? Um, but that's what, that's what comedy is like. Like, it's kind of a, in a cool way, it's like, that's like a brotherhood type thing, so. I'm going to come down and I, my, I get married in August and I'm going to come down. I have uh, my fiance's family lives in Edmonton. So I want to try and make a jolt up to Calgary. Do you play every weekend or play? <laughs> what are you a fucking musician? No, you... play is correct. Um, no, not in Calgary. Where do you play? Like, do you have like a home Generally, base? Yeah. Home base would be here. So the Yuck here, I do a lot. Um, during the week, I go to Comedy Cave here. Comedy Cave and Laugh Shop I'll go to here to work on jokes. And then other than that, I do, I'm do. i traveling around. Yeah, Edmonton, I, I do the Yuck Yucks there. And then if things open up by then, hopefully, I'll be all over Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa, that type of thing. Now, you, now being a full-time like national traveling comedian, is that all through Yuck Yucks? Like, is that like the biggest opportunity in Canada for comedians? They're the biggest chain of clubs. So those are the main clubs that I'll play. 
but there's also a lot of good independent clubs that'll play as well. And it depends on the market, but um, like there's rumors in Winnipeg is a different one, um, but they are the biggest. Yeah. They're the biggest chain throughout the country. Right. So that's fair. It reminds me of like um, the store in uh, or not the store. There's a one, one in the U S that they all talk about. No, fuck. It doesn't even matter. Do you have a ritual before you go on stage? Yeah, I don't really have, it's so funny, like it morphs over time. So Run I would say the biggest change that I've had since I started, I, when I started, I wouldn't even be able to eat um, like for the whole day leading up because I'd be so nervous. So fortunately that's gone away. I still will not eat right before. That's so probably at least four hours before I won't eat. So if I'm hungry, I will do, I'll eat four hours before the show or I'll just wait till after. Cause I don't like to have a big thing right before. Cause then I feel heavy. So it's part of like, I wouldn't say it's a ritual, but that's like a habit or whatever. And then before I go up, I do like to sit down with my notebook and go over my set list. Um, kind of write in bullet points, the jokes I want to do. And it's important to me. It's important to have at least for 15 minutes before I go up just alone time to be able to do that. Like, um, Sometimes it can get chaotic, especially in like the green room and that type of stuff. But I need to be able to be able to focus for a bit and then go on stage. But that's pretty much it. I don't do anything other than that. I don't rub a, like a rabbit's foot. I don't like sage <laughs> on fire. I don't pray to the moon. That's it. That is such an experience thing when you say about like going through your set list and bullet pointing things you want to talk about. That's such uh, like coming from an experienced comic. Like, I'll be shitting my pants the first time I go up. Like when you talk about not eating for the day, I was like, yeah, probably me not. I probably won't either. But when you talk about not eating four hours before, I've heard some comedians say that. And I've also heard some comedians like obviously Burt Kreischer who just mucks fucking steak and shit before going on stage. But I definitely could see you not wanting to be full going up. But it's not really something that I really thought about much, but it's probably because I'm not a fucking comedian. Don't, don't say it like that. Wow. Just got Yet. sad. Yet. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the food thing, it's interesting though, but I think it's so much working out. Like to me, there's two types of people for working out and eating. There's people who like to feel full and have a big meal going into a workout and feel like I'm full. I have a lot of fuel. And then there's people who are like, I want to be fasted. So I feel light and agile. And I've always been in the like fasted. I'd rather not work out, like eat work out early. So I think it's the same thing with comedy for me. Like, I just want to feel That's fair. empty and light. Like I'm not digesting a big thing, all that type of stuff. That's a very good comparison because typically, and I, and maybe I'm speaking on way too broad of a scale, but typically you see a lot of comedians that do a lot of exercise, whether or not it's, I don't know whether or not, whatever exercise it may be, but the, the amount that I follow, a lot of them are usually very physically active to keep their mind off shit. And do you find like, like I've seen you, you run nonstop. I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever ran 5k. So I don't know how you do this all the time, but uh, do you notice like a huge shift in your like mental health or, or the way you did stand up when you became so healthy? Or have you no, always been this way? No, not a shift. Cause I've always worked out. So I've switched though from doing uh yeah, more weightlifting, which was pre-COVID, into running, just because that's what the only thing you could do when everything was shut down. And then I fell in love with it. So now I now I just run. I just I'm just that guy. That's the thing. But yeah, no, I haven't seen a big shift just because I've always been like like I've always been active. I uh, so. I saw a picture. You had come back from a run and like your face was frozen. Like there was like ice hanging from your hat and your chin and stuff. And I'm I like. I'm like, I want to be a stand-up. I really want to be healthy. I feel like if I start working out a lot, I'll uh, I'll lose weight and I'll be more motivated and I'll have more energy to do shit. And I look at your fucking post and you're like covered nice, just ran 5K, super healthy. Look down, I barely fit in my shirt and I got a bowl of popcorn and Netflix running. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, it's, it's honestly, it's good to see It's good to see what you do. And, and that's probably one of the bigger reasons why I reached out to talk to you in the first place was, I started, I first found, which I, I bet you this was huge for you, was your COVID joke about your job, not like, we don't need that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. The non-essential. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And we never did. Like, that like, fucking obviously made me laugh. Then I started following you and seeing like 
having people like that that you see all the time because it's not like you're not going to get off like it's not like you're going to get off social media i don't know how much you consume but it's kind of hard thing to avoid completely but having people on there like you that are running all the time and super motivated and and are doing stand-up and are showing like little sets little bits of their sets and you're editing them all and you're doing a podcast like that's the exact shit that i want to do so it was super motivational to see all the stuff that you're doing all the time and like you're a full-time comic right like you don't you don't work outside of what you do right oh no i work during the day too fuck same dude yeah so it's the it's the full thing so we're basically i work during the day and then i will um so i work then i work out then i will do writing jokes then i'll go do comedy at night and then it's like rinse and repeat like full day (laughs) all the time i was gonna say that's a lot and like i it's different because the comedy is obviously the joy for you it's the habit for you it's the hot like not to put it as a hobby but it's like something that really like you're really happy to do. And it's hard to f- make a job sound like something that's so amazing, like comedy would be, but um, what's like, like I was thinking earlier about like what your long-term goals would be like as a stand-up comic, all you, obviously you want to be the biggest, beta, best, funniest mm-hmm. fucking person in the world. Is there, is there something specifically that you're looking forward to in the future? Like, like traveling the States, doing a full tour, having a Netflix special. Like, is there one thing that's like, this is where I want to make it. Like, do you have a goal specific? Yeah. I eventually I want to be able to travel, you know, wherever I want, whenever I want, mainly Canada and the U S and be able to sell tickets. That's my whole goal. So if I can do clubs to start, then eventually go up to theaters and travel you know, I'd say almost every weekend of the year and just fill my schedule with that. Um, that's my number one goal. So that's where I, you know, through all the social media, that type of thing, I'm just trying to reach new people who would be interested, who like my standup so that someday I can come and perform for them. And that's my ultimate goal be just to every single year, pack my schedule, sell tickets, travel all around Canada, the U S maybe Europe, Asia, because they have clubs and stuff over there too. And just go, go, go all around everywhere, travel everywhere and just do comedy. Now, have you ever performed in a U.S. club? Um, I've done, I was in New York years ago. I did a couple spots there and I got my U.S. visa approved. So my work visa, so I can go down there. So I'm aiming to do that this year is to go down there um and perform at some of the clubs try to start planting some seeds down there you know it's still tricky with this everything going on and it's still a pain in the ass with all the testing and that type of shit but um yeah i have my visa approved so yeah that's the next step is i i'm gonna aim to go down there new york is a cutthroat cutthroat comedy scene too oh it's great it's like you know it's they have tiers of comedy clubs okay. and you have to work your way up from like the bottom tier to the next one to the next one to the next one to the next one to even get into the good ones and of course yeah like you said it's cutthroat because there's so many comics yeah in that area but i think what we're seeing which is kind of an interesting trend is and we'll see if it continues is comedians are sort of moving all over the place and these epicenters of comedy, which, you know, was New York, Los Angeles, that type of thing, are still very relevant. Yeah. And still like the hubs. But I think because of, you know, a lot of it is because of podcasting and because of social media, we're sort of seeing that spread out. And the relevance of being in those particular locations is becoming sort of less and less, if that makes sense. So you're not following Joe Rogan to Austin? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the exact example. It's like he goes to Austin 
and then yeah half of the comedians in the world go there too but it is it's an indicator of showing that you can um if you have if you build up a virtual platform and you have a fan base you can actually live anywhere because you're touring anyway as a comedian yeah exactly so it's kind of a i think that's a fun and interesting thing is that you can if you build things up and you can actually kind of be anywhere which is kind of which takes the power back to the comic which is nice i love that shift that has happened over the past years like especially like especially in comedians because they'd always be so filled okay they're definitely more probably filtered now with like cancel culture and all that but it's nice to have them be able to control their own podcast control their own um tours not have to worry about the like the profit going to someone else or having their career being taken over by a by a manager or anything um you are man you have a you have a manager correct nope you're on like you're on like a talent website I have a um, U.S. booking agent for colleges. Oh, that's sick. And also I have Yuck Yucks will do like some, will do bookings for me too. But for overall management, everything, it's just me. Now, when you go to, when you go to like New York or LA, or if you go to Texas and you want to start playing these clubs, does being a full-time Yuck Yucks comedian have any ground there? Nope. Really? It's like walking Nothing. as a newbie. You, the thing to understand is that in the U.S., everyone has a credit somehow they all have somehow have a tv credit right even if they were an extra on you know i don't even know like sex in the city like they all have some weird tv credit so is that your favorite show that's my favorite show and i record it every day sorry i'm re-watching it right now um but they have so no not nothing that you even including even festivals that you do up here unfortunately in the u.s they just don't care it's a completely different market so that doesn't really get you anything the only thing that you can have um is can you sell tickets that's really it it's true and your name is what's gonna have to do that so if you're even if you're popular in calgary you might not be somewhere else have you played uh montreal no like uh the big festival no no is that a dream of yours? Because that's that's the only place in Canada. Like, yes, you see all these these comedians travel, but I've heard many of them talk about this. Like, is it just for laughs, Montreal? Just for laughs is the big one. Yeah, no, that's definitely on my list. That's been on my list from even before I started comedy. Because, you know, it's a very prestigious festival. I think we've all seen the clips on TV. Oh, yeah. So that's absolutely on my list. Like, that would be a dream come true to do just for laughs. Damn. Bucket list. Write it down um yeah you said you got your visa for new york so are you are you wanting to move there for like an extended period of time and try and pursue comedy there no probably not i have my visa for the u.s to travel but what i'll do is i would just fly out from like i would stay here and then fly down there and travel around like it would be no different than what i do right now with tour dates so i'd book weekends fly go do weekends come back that type of thing what's the visa necessary for Oh, this is, I'm glad you asked. So this is something nobody realizes this. And it's so crazy because when a, when a U.S. comedian comes up to Canada to play one of our comedy clubs, yeah. the only thing they need is a letter from the comedy club saying, we are going to hire so-and-so for this weekend. And then we let them in and they can play and they can make money here and perform. Now, for a Canadian comic to go to the U.S. and do the same thing, you have to hire a lawyer. You have to put together a portfolio. You have to get reference letters. You have to come up with an itinerary. Yes. And you have to spend like ten to $20,000 to get a work visa to have permission to go to the U.S. to go and perform down there and make money. Nobody realizes that. Like they can, the U.S. comics can come up here and come and work and go back down as they please with nothing. They don't have to do anything. For Canadian comics to go down there, we have to, yes, like I said, bullshit. tens of thousands of dollars to get a work visa to even be allowed for the chance to go down there. So it's, there's not a lot of reciprocity going. It's completely different one way versus the other. And that's why it's funny when the U.S. comics come up Cause they just come up easy peasy and they'll be like, Hey, why don't you come down 
and like, uh, you know, open for me or whatever. And we'll be like, well, we don't, I have to get my visa. And they're like, what? So anyway, that's just how the thing, <laughs> you know what? Like it really fucking sucks. Cause it should be the same both ways in the fact that you should just be able to go play there. Especially if you have a reference from the club, like you're not going down there to live forever kind of thing. You know what I mean? But thank God they don't fucking do that to the U S comics or we would never see them. And that's, exa that's exactly what it is. Right. It's like, it's just a leverage thing. And the other part you have to understand too, which I actually can appreciate. Is it annoying that we have to do this? Yes. But I can also understand that, you know, the U S is a different beast. Everyone in the world wants to go there and work. So they have to filter it out more than, you know, we do, but it is. Yes. So I understand from that perspective, but you're right. It is annoying. Like just how I, different that is. I am just picturing the amount of people that get off a plane in LA or New York going to chase their forever dream and find out they need a fucking visa. I know that there's a lot of people that know that you need a work visa, but like they think they can just go down there for a weekend, try comedy. Like you couldn't even do a fucking open, or I guess it's only if you're getting paid, right? You could. Yeah. So you can do, you can do unpaid. You can do open mic festival, that type of thing. It's just, if you want to get paid, you have to have one. Yeah. That's fucking brutal. That is yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Way. It's kind of crazy. All right. I have a question for you. It's uh, sure. it's a merry fuck kill situation. Okay, it's a tough one. I, I I'm I'm honestly really eager to see how you how you choose here. We got Oprah Winfrey. Oh shit! I wrote this before we did it. We were gonna do our first episode, like like probably like a month ago. I had okay. Betty White. <laughs> that that's it. So she, well. is that still an option, or do we? No, I'm gonna sub in Sheer. Who? Sheer. Who's Sheer? <laughs> Who the hell's Sheer? She's a musician. She's a professional musician. Anyway, let's just keep Betty White in then. Sheer? Oh, fuck. I'm the idiot. Nice. Sheer? <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. This you is... a pair of scissors? You mean Sheer? Like Sunny and Sheer? It's Sheer. It's definitely Sheer. It's definitely Sheer. You know yeah, how loud Cher. my fiance is going to laugh when she hears this? Because I mispronounce fucking everything. How did you spell it? C H E R. Yeah, that's not even spelt sheer. Sheer be S H E R E. <laughs> All right, so it's share. Okay. Well, that's a tough that one. Tough. I don't think that I'm was gonna, tough. I don't think I'm ever gonna live. live up. I'm gonna edit that one out. All right, I'm gonna start over. Take a minute. Yeah. I'm gonna leave that in. All right, Mary, fuck kill Oprah Winfrey. Cher and Ellen. 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 Oh, See, no, God. she ain't putting out. She might even hit you. Uh, Buck might be Ellen because she's, it would be her first one. <laughs> yeah. Going in right? That'd be kind of fun. That's, that'd be kind of cool. You're not wrong. And then who were the first two get with Cher and who was the other one? Uh, Oprah. Oh, dog, I'm going to marry Oprah. Are you kidding me? That's Oprah money. So Cher's dead. Sheer, I'm going to Sheer Cher. I'm going to kill her with Shears, actually. Good call. Yeah, good. It's, they're spelled different. I don't know if you knew that. Those two are spelled different and pronounced completely different. Cher. Oh, they're the same. They're oh. the exact same. Oh. I'm going to Sheer Cher. Um, I was going to originally say you're fucking gross because I was assuming you were going to choose otherwise, but I do the exact same thing. You know you want Oprah to just, like, just baby it. You know, you'll be her pasty little little friend that she just feeds and gives money. Oh, and, and she won't even and... know where I am, dude. She, she her house even is so to. big. Her house is so, yeah, exactly. She has so much <laughs> money. You think she gives a shit where I am? No. You think Ellen would be, Ellen, do you think Ellen would yell at you during sex? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. I think so. I've heard. Um, I like it. How long have you been doing your podcast, Toddness? I know it's Todd um, almost a year now. And almost have you noticed like growth in that? Yep. Yep. Every episode we have a few more people, which is good. Some more. We I just recently started doing it uh, video too. So I was just doing audio before. So literally the last episode is the first one I've done with video as well. So. Yeah. And thank God. It's so, especially when, um, you know, the clubs and stuff weren't open. It's so nice to have, uh, an outlet and have something you can do. Yeah. 
like in your own house, you'd like your own pay, that type of thing. So thank God. Yeah, that is nice. Have you had guests on yet? No, no. You just do just like me. a, what is your, like, I've listened to like two episodes and you start going through like things going on in the world. And like, I think you like start breaking down shit on the internet. Oh yeah. It's whatever I just, I find interesting that day. Like sometimes I see news stuff and I'm like, it's, it's dumb. So we talk about that. Sometimes I see insane clips. So we'll talk about that. Um, sometimes there's just stuff that happens to me during the week that I have to bring up. So it's really just a venting. <laughs> it's like a venting vehicle for me. This is like a way to, to express some shit. Eh? Exactly. Have you, I think I read, I read an article that you were going to be doing like a, uh, it's almost like a special, like you're getting something recorded or was this, I was reading something from the past. Maybe. I did a, um, I have an album, so I recorded that. That was November 2019. I recorded an album. I don't have anything planned yet, but I do. I am aiming this year to do a second album. So nothing's been cemented, um, and I don't have any date picked yet, but I am aiming for later this year to do another one. Okay. So an album, like, there was this, like, cutting-edge entertainment that had you written all over it. Oh, that's my, yeah, that's my uh, U.S. college booking agent. Oh, okay. That's one where, again, I was supposed to go down and do a bunch of uh, college shows, like, or the conferences right before, and then that was right before everything shut down, so. So you need a visa just to make a dollar over there? Yeah. That's fucking brutal, dude. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Well. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for making a fool of me. It's an absolute joy to call you Sheer. Yeah. You know Sheer has a visa. I'll tell you that. I think Sex in the City's on in like 25 minutes, so. Oh, shit. Go. I can't miss it. It's a new one. Bobby Lee's on it. Oh, I'm in. Bobby Ray. I like it. <laughs>